This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So, Christmas. Christmas can seem a bit like a fairy tale. The message can sometimes feel like a fairy tale if you add Santa Claus and the reindeer. And, and if you hear the stories and you hear the same songs over and over again, and you don't have an understanding or a revelation of what it's really about, it, you can become dull to it. You can just be like, oh, you know, same old thing. And it can really feel like a fairy tale that it's not real, that it's not anchored in reality. And, and for me, growing up... Um, it was very much like that for me. The Christmas message, I didn't get it. I enjoyed the, 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 the gifts. <laughs> I enjoyed, obviously, holiday. Every child would love the gifts and the Christmas tree and the lights and the, and the fun. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful family time, this time of year. And we should enjoy it. It's great. But when it came to the, the message of Christmas, I was like... It's a bit boring, <laughs> you know. I'm like, can the preacher please finish up? I want to go home and go play with my gifts, you know. Or say, and I think, as I said, when you when you mix very much like a, a a fairy tale, a nice story, but but it almost feels like it didn't really happen. And and that's how I I experienced it. So I want to I want to share with you today. We have a diverse audience here, so I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that there's going to be something for each one of us. But we're all in different places in our walk with God. And maybe for you, for some of us here, it, it really feels like a fairy tale. Nice story, nice songs, but it hasn't really impacted your heart, your life. So I want to, I want to share with you part of the message. And then maybe for some of us, you know, you've come through 20... 21, praise God. And I had this shock of my life recently realizing that 2022, it's actually 2022. Oh, that's bad news now, isn't it? Okay, so the, the, the point is 2022 will have some challenges. I'm hoping to give you a tool or two today just to help you face those challenges that are coming. Okay, that's where the joy part is going to come in to the message. But we need joy if we're going to overcome this coming year. Okay, so the first part, I'm going to have three points. First part I want to share with you guys, and I think we sometimes miss. Imagine for a moment you're coming to a crossroads. Here's a picture. You're coming to a crossroad, and there is a sign. There are different signs. You see, when it comes to religions, every religion sort of claims exclusive truth, that this is the way. But how do we know which is the way? How would we know which is the right way? You're standing at that intersection. You don't know which way to go. What do you do? You look at the sign. That way, East London, that way. 
Okay? You look at the sign. And God has been so good to us to give us a sign to point us to the one way. The one true way. So, He gave us a sign. 700 years before Christ, before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah had and the Holy Spirit came upon the prophet and he prophesied. He gave a promise of what is to come. 700 years before the time. Let's look at Isaiah 7 verse 14. And it says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Come on, say sign. Sign. He will give you the sign. It says, look, look, don't miss it. Don't just walk past there. Look at the sign. See the sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. And so the prophet is saying, look, don't miss it. Don't miss the sign. Don't miss the sign that will point you to the truth, to life, to freedom. Don't miss it. And what is the sign? The sign said that they will, the, the, the virgin will conceive a child. So that is a little bit out of the ordinary. Out of the about 7.7 billion people on the face of the planet right now, and everyone has come before, we know of no one that was conceived like this. By a virgin. Except for Jesus Christ. This is huge. This is, this is huge. This should speak to us. These prophecies, old hundreds and hundreds of years of prophecies getting that specific that the virgin, there will be a sign the virgin will conceive. And that's what the angel, when the angel appeared to Mary and he said, you will conceive by the Holy Spirit. And this that you will conceive will be the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And if, if you, and I, you know, we all, as I say, on different journeys. Because a lot of people say, how, how can we know the truth? How can we know which way, which religion is true? Look at the sign. Look at the signs. There's not the only sign. There are many signs. No other religion on the face of this earth has anything like this. Hundreds of years old prophecies being fulfilled to the T. It's amazing. It is amazing. And so here we see in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 14. The classic passage of the birth of Christ. And the intro says there, at that time... The Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Do you see the language there? It's not fairy tale language. It's at that time with that governor, this happened. Actual history. You see, if it's a fairy tale, it has no impact on us. But if it is the truth, and if it's anchored in reality, then it must have an impact on our lives. It is not written like Greek mythology or fairy tales or anything like that. Verses 4 and 5, it says, Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth, 
in Galilee. And he took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child, although they have not known one another yet physically. A miraculous conception according to what the angel said. And then we see again an Old Testament prophecy, 700 BC, Micah 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So it was prophesied 700 years before that in Bethlehem there will be, someone will be born that will be the ruler. But this someone is different from any other someone. Because he's from everlasting, from eternity. In other words, God will be born. This one that was born has always existed. But you and me, when we were born, we came into being. We came into existence. Again, a sign. A sign. And there are multiple other prophecies pointing to Jesus in the same way. These are signs. Now, we all treat signs differently. Some of us drive at a good pace and we just look straight ahead. Like my wife. When she's driving, she doesn't drive so fast, but when she drives, she doesn't look to the sides. She will not see you. You will wave and she will not wave back because she's driving. Okay, so some of us are like that. You are not looking for a sign you're not looking for God necessarily. You're just getting on with your life and you're just going. And so you miss the sign. Then some of us are like, I don't want to see the sign. Human nature. I don't want to see the sign because if I see the sign, I might need to change my life. I don't want to. No. I want to have some fun still. Jesus, God, mm, maybe it's 65 or 75, or if you're 75, 85, you know, you're like, there's still maybe one day. But I don't want to see the sign. You just want to enjoy your life. And then a third group of people, and my heart breaks for them, they are like being exposed to so much atheistic teaching that they are blinded. They're standing right in front of the sign saying, there is no sign. There is no sign. There is no sign. (laughs) And my heart breaks for them because it takes more faith to not believe in God than to believe in God. Because they are everywhere. There's signs. Evidence of His design and creation and His love for us. And then for some of us, you saw the sign (laughs) and you realize you needed more. You needed Him. And so you turned to Him. But so how are you understanding the sign? Are you seeing the sign? Have you responded to the sign? Because if you've driven past, you need to make a U-turn, come back, and follow the right path. Follow Jesus. And I, I know some of us, the, the ones especially those like, I don't want to see the sign. I don't want to see the sign. You know, though, you misunderstand The glory and the beauty and the majesty of God. Because I was there as a young person, 18 year old, enjoying my partying lifestyle. I was like, yes. I was like, church is boring. You know, you party Saturday night. And if you go to church, then you sleep in church. But you misunderstand. There's no greater adventure than to know him. 
There is no greater fulfillment than to intimately know Jesus. That's what I discovered as an 18-year-old as a student. My life was rocked when I encountered the living God. And then my life began. It's an adventure. An incredible adventure. So if you don't want to see the sign, you want to see the sign. (laughs) But you need to come to the other side. And then you experience His incredible love and kindness and goodness. There's nothing like knowing Jesus. Amen. So the second thing I want to share is about joy. Let's continue with the story. It says, verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. (laughs) You see, if Jesus was preaching today, he would probably use this illustration. Imagine Thor from Marvel movies suddenly coming from another dimension and appearing to a bunch of car gods. That's what you are seeing here right now. From another dimension, this powerful, these powerful beings appear and their glory shine. Everyone's like, what is this? Another sign. You see, this Christianity and Jesus, everything about it's not someone that had a weird vision sometime. There's like multiple, multiple witnesses, eyewitness accounts, miraculous, miracle events happening. And so these angels came from another dimension called heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and they came into this realm. You see, when, when Jesus came, it was an invasion, an invasion from another realm into this world. But it was different. Than what we would think. It wasn't an invasion like anyone else would think. So Luke 2 verse 10. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. I bring you great news. Good news. That will bring joy, great joy to all people. Come on, say great joy. Great joy. Great joy. There's the key. This is the verse. It gives us the key. Great joy. Great joy. To all. In other words, this is for everybody. It's not like, well, that's not my religion. No, this is for everybody. He created everyone. He is the author, the designer of the universe. Everything points back to him. Jesus, Jesus, great joy to all people. In other words, if you want true happiness, meaning, fulfillment, it's found in him. Great joy. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. It was not in the inn, but in the stable. That's just weird. Why would that be? And so we have the key here to everlasting happiness, everlasting joy. You see, God made promises 
Hundreds of years ago by the, through the prophets. And those promises have been fulfilled. And there are more promises that are going to be fulfilled. Promises made. Promises kept. You might have heard that somewhere. Our God is trustworthy. He makes a promise and he keeps it. It happens. You see, but this world, if you want to understand the world we're living in, this world is making promises to us continuously. It's saying to us, this is going to make you happy. This is going to fulfill you. They go so far to, especially in marketing, they add like God-like qualities to physical things. Saying, this is going to make you happy. This is going to fulfill you. And let me give you a few examples. Red Bull. Red Bull gives you wings. We all want to fly now. It's a fizzy drink. And then you see all the daredevils do their wild things and you get the message, if you drink this little Red Bull, you're going to fly. It's just a drink with a whole lot of caffeine in it and sugar. But it's a Red Bull. Uh, what about Coca-Cola? Open happiness. <laughs> Open happiness. Open this fizzy drink and wow, you're going to be so happy and have a whole lot of health issues as well. <laughs> Enjoy. And then the tacky people, Adidas. Impossible is nothing. It's like putting on your super suit. <laughs> no, no, actually the angels say to Jesus or to Mary, the mother of Jesus, for with God, nothing is impossible. But the world promises, but it cannot produce the goods. It promises and it promises, but it cannot produce the goods. False promises. And then the classic Nike, just do it. Stackies, I'm coming to go, yes! You're going to do it. No, 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 no. Actually, if you're terrified and you're struggling with fear, you need to surrender your life to Jesus and he's going to set you free from fear. And you're going to have courage like never before. Amen. The Lord says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. And so the world promises, and you need to know this. You need to know this. It gives us short-term pleasure, but it doesn't bring fulfillment in the deepest parts of our being. It just doesn't. It can't. You see, this world is bankrupt. So joy. What is joy? Happiness is temporal and is dependent on your circumstances. Someone is ugly to you, you have no happiness. Things going down in a country, you have no happiness. But joy is different. Joy is anchored not in your circumstances. Joy is anchored in another realm. It's anchored in God. It doesn't matter the circumstances. You can be happy in terms of joy, meaningful. You can feel fulfilled and alive. Joy is something way beyond happiness. It is lasting happiness dependent on Christ, lasting joy. And then Gary Hogan said, joy is the oxygen for doing hard things. It's the oxygen because 2022 is coming. There will be challenges next year. But joy gives us the oxygen, the strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you can walk through it. You can move through it. Joy is a mighty weapon. 
Joy shifts the atmosphere. It is internal strength to overcome every circumstance. And we had the promise. The angel said, joy to the world. Everyone is invited. Joy to the world. Meaningful, lasting happiness anchored in him. Joy, peace, fulfillment found in Jesus. Joy gives us the oxygen to move through. So Luke 2 verse 13, it says, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. You see, there's the invasion. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So we see here that this baby that was born, he is the commander of the armies of heaven. It's an invasion. It is an invasion, but it's different It's not an invasion of military might. It is ultimately an invasion of love. Jesus came as a baby. Meekly, humbly, stepping into our mess. Because he came to win our hearts. He he did not come to demand submission through military might and fear. Because love cannot be demanded. Love is given. He wants to win your heart. He wants to win your heart. That is why he came to come and win our hearts. And so we also get a glimpse, just a quick glimpse as we see these angel armies. We get a glimpse of the winning side. Hallelujah. A wise man shifts from the losing side to the winning side. I shifted over. I like winning. I want to be part of the winning team. Amen. And the last point I want to share, I want to answer this question. Why was Jesus born in a stinky stable? Why? Because everything's done with a purpose. Why was Jesus born in the stable? I think part of the reason is this. He is drawn to our mess. He's drawn to our mess. He's drawn to our broken lives. He's, the messier it is, the more he likes it. He's like, I'm going to go over there. Are there parts of your life that's messy? Say hallelujah. God wants to, he wants to move in there. You see, his love is so incredible that he's not intimidated with our stuff. Even as a baby, Jesus came into a mess. During his ministry, do you know that those who spent most of his time with? The worst of society. The worst of society. And so maybe some of us are struggling with shame. We feel like, oh, that part of my life, that's just such a mess. The part of my life I've so failed. I've so messed up. God is drawn to He's Emmanuel. He wants to be with you in there. He wants to restore you and heal you and set you free. So, and, and you know why it's Silent Night, that song. Silent Night. Because Joseph forgot to book them in in the inn. And Mary was upset. <laughs> so she didn't... She didn't talk to him for a long while. And that is why it was silent 
night. Every man has experienced that when you have failed your bride. Men, there's no shame. Jesus loves you. Okay, there's hope. Like, I'm kidding. That's not why it's silent night. Okay? The inn was booked full. Verse 6, it says, And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. And she's available for them. So again, why a manger? That's a feeding trough. We say it sounds so manger. It's a feeding trough. There was probably dung in that stable. It was messy. I can imagine that Joseph and Mary were like, they can't believe it. The, the Messiah is being born and this is happening in a stable. Maybe they had shame. Like, what have we done? No, it was meant to be. Three reasons why I believe Jesus was born in a stable. Number one, our world is spiritually bankrupt. The best this world has to offer can't add anything to Jesus. The fanciest palace, all the money in the world, whatever, it doesn't add anything to Christ. I believe when he, when he was born in that stable, he was saying, guys, this is your world. A messy stable. Stinky. It's bankrupt. You see, we look at external things to satisfy us on the inside, but it can't. It is spiritually bankrupt. Nothing on the outside can bring peace and true joy to your inside, to your heart, to your being, to your spirit, to your soul. It is bankrupt. This world is spiritually bankrupt. Come on, say it. Spiritually bankrupt. So don't look to it to fulfill you. You need to speak to it sometimes with these false promises. And say, hey, be quiet. You're not. iPad, you are not going to make me happy. <laughs> Jesus, let's just tell it sometimes. But it makes, this world is bankrupt. Number two, this message is for all. Jesus didn't come to the rich and the famous. He came for everybody. The insignificant ones, the shepherds out there, the car gods, the shepherds out there, the nobodies. Jesus says, I like you. I love you. Every human being matters. And then lastly, he came to remove our shame. I really strongly feel that there are some of us here struggling with shame. Because of your past. Because of stuff that has happened. You see, shame disconnects us from God. Shame says to you, you're not good enough. And it's true, we're not good enough, but Jesus makes us good enough. No one's good enough. So your stuff, my stuff, none is good enough. He makes us good enough. And I feel some of us are tormented with thoughts and emotions that are continuously telling us, I don't qualify because of this in my life. Or that in my past. I don't qualify for his love. I don't qualify for the church or church community. Because these people are so holy. I on the other hand are like this. I often say this. But let me say it again. I counsel the people in this church. We all have issues. There's no one perfect. They look so holy from a distance. When they lift their hands. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. 
Stop listening to the voice that accuses you and condemns you. It's a voice from the pit of hell. He came to remove shame. He came to remove that disconnect between us and Him. He loves you. And He will break down every wall. He will climb every mountain. He will do whatever it takes to, to, to win your heart. Renounce the shame. It has no place in your life. Shame tells us we're not good enough. Even at the birth of Christ, in a sense, he got his hands dirty. And he's still getting it dirty to clean us up and to make us new. Amen. Christmas is so wonderful, this message, because it is saying a new beginning. A new beginning. It's not January the 1st. It's Christmas Day. Birthing new beginning, new life into this world. And God wants to do that for you. He wants to. Evil tries to disconnect us. You see, evil knows your name. He calls you by your shame. He calls you by your shame. He reminds you of your shame. God knows your shame. But he calls you by your name. Hallelujah. By your name. He knows your name. He knows your name. As an 18-year-old young person, Jesus called my name. Rock my life. He's calling your name right now. He's calling your name wherever you are in your walk with God. Maybe you've been a believer for 20 years or longer. He's calling your name. He's saying, come. We've been having probably one of the best holidays in a long while. And the reason is simply because I think we've made Jesus the center of our holiday. We give him space. We worship together. We pray together. It is wonderful when you make Jesus the center of your life. Make him the center. Final point I want to share. No matter what, if God is with us, we will rejoice in 2022. If God is with us, because he is Emmanuel, God with us, with us, despite our mistakes, despite our messes, He is with us, He's Emmanuel, He is God with us. There's nothing too difficult for Him when God is with us. So I want to end off with this passage in the book of Habakkuk. And it's, this is like a worst case scenario to a farming community. So I'm going to modernize it a little bit and bring it into our messy South Africa for you. Habakkuk 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the ESCOM power stations produce efficient power, (laughs) causing continual stage 8 power outages, nor fruit be on the vine, because government has stolen us blind. (laughs) Though the labor of the olive may fail due to the petrol price hitting over 30 rand a liter, And the fields yield no food due to the farms being expropriated without compensation. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold because of the latest and greatest COVID variant that has closed our borders and killed our supply chains. And there be no herd in the stalls due to the riots that have messed up our malls. Yet, come on say yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. 
He is our Savior, our strength, and our help in this coming year. Amen. Yet. Come on, say yet. Yet. You can list all the worst case scenarios. And yet. I will rejoice. Because my joy is found in Him, not my circumstances. And He is with me, so my circumstances are going to change. Amen. In the last verse, verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels. Hallelujah. The Lord God is your strength and he is with you and he loves you. Don't allow anything to disconnect you from him. Because fine, then, (laughs) then you're in trouble. But when you are with Him and He is with you, all things become possible. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.